This is going to happen regardless of another podcast or not. A long, strong pour after one of those days. You know those days where all the little crap lines up and picks at you. You caught every red light. The guy in front of you doesn't see the turn arrow because he's texting. Your pen runs out of ink. Yeah, I still use a pen and write on paper from time to time. It works. You should try it. Or you pick the wrong checkout line at the grocery store and learn once again that express checkout is really just a theory and not a fact. No, nothing major, no tragedies, just a consistent series of inadequacies all day long, which brings you to this one moment where you can get it right with a good, strong, poor, and some, and some me time. Hi, I'm Dina Tripodis, and welcome to Whiskey Business, a podcast not so much about whiskey as it is with whiskey, and we've got a, a good one on tap tonight. A top shelf one, which we'll explain and talk about a little bit later on. Russell's Reserve Small Batch Single Barrel, which is a little redundant. If it's a small batch, it's more than likely a single barrel. Why a top shelf bourbon on this, just our, our second podcast? Because I have a I have a top shelf guest this evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, my good friend and attorney at law, John Saya. Of the law firm, is it Saya and Pyatt? It is, yes. Saya and Pyatt, and they've been in existence for how long, sir? Oh, about uh, 29 years. 29 years. You've been a lawyer for 29 years. Can you believe that? I don't look that old. No, you don't look that old. (laughs) And the the topic of discussion tonight, um, John is one of the more, can I say, distinguished uh, DUI attorneys in the state of Ohio? You can say whatever you want. I just can't say things like you that. You can't so. say that? I can say it, though? You can say it, though. Because you, you do have a, uh, an excellent reputation in that in that field of law, in law in general. But uh, when it comes to, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, just one of the things we're going to talk about tonight. The initials you never want associated with you or your life, the DUI. And... And tonight we're going to talk about the myths and mythologies of uh, what you should do if you get pulled over for said DUI. Okay, so I find it a bit ironic that we're going to talk about DUIs while we're sitting here sipping a whiskey. Have you had a sip of the Russell's Reserve yet? Have you? I, I have. It's very good. Mm-hmm. It is good. It's a. Uh, it's it's potent, my friend. It's 110 proof. It's a it's a big one, and this one uh, bypasses the uh, the chill filtration process, where whiskey is chilled at temps below freezing. That's so they can get all the acids and all the other unnecessary flavor factors out of the out of the mix. But with this one, uh, by avoiding that process, the the whiskey has a little more flavor, and you can see a little deeper color. And if you see, it gets a little smoky, a little cloudy when you put a little ice in it, because it's the first time it's experiencing any type of of temperature. But uh, it's good. It's a little more uh, um, expensive than your $28 bourbons. It runs about $49.99 a bottle, but well worth every sip. Uh, you actually have a story about Russell's Reserve? I do. I uh, had an attorney down in the Cincinnati area who uh, referred me a couple cases, and I was uh, driving uh, through Kentucky and when he uh, was going to be heading through Cincinnati, so I stopped at a... Uh, a little liquor store out on a on a back road in Kentucky, and I walked in and said, "I I need your best bottle of uh, best bottle of bourbon." 
And the uh, woman immediately reached for a bottle of the uh, the reserve and, and uh, put it on the counter, rang it up, and uh, I was kind of surprised at, uh, at the price on it, at how, how inexpensive it was for the best bottle. And uh, I said, so is that your best bottle? And she looked at me without a, a blink in an eye and said, you want my best bottle or you want my most expensive bottle? There you go. Yeah, we, we said that last week that, you know, a good bourbon doesn't have to be necessarily uh, a super high-priced bourbon, though some of the good ones are. But this one, this one, this one meets my criteria of under fifty bucks a bottle, forty-nine ninety-nine. Yeah, it counts, and it's good. Um, and a little, a little uh, burst of vanilla when you when you sip into it, and if you take your time, actually, if you drink it neat, you'll probably pick up a little hint of uh, of licorice and, and anise if you just drink it without any ice. So you can do that on your own, people. First of all, let me ask you this. What is the difference between a DUI and an OMVI? Uh, there's no difference. There's the, no difference. Nope. DUI, OMVI, OWI, OMVI, they all mean the same thing. They What's all, o, o, what was it? O, OWI? OWI, uh, op, operating a vehicle while intoxicated. While intoxicated. DWI. Um, Driving under the... Influence uh, driving while intoxicated. Driving while intoxicated. Well, DWI yeah. driving yeah. while intoxicated. So what? They just, uh, just state throw a dart and pick one. Throw a dart and pick one. Now each state calls it something different. In Ohio, we had uh, OMVI, which stood for operating a motor vehicle under the influence. We dropped the M, so you no longer have to have a motor on the vehicle. So you can be arrested and convicted of a DUI for riding a bicycle or a non-motorized vehicle. Well, that days. doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem fair at all. Not at all. I, I can't to... drive my car. Where's my bike? It doesn't matter. Really? Have you ever have you ever had a case where somebody was drunk on a bicycle? Oh, I've had several. Yes. Seriously? Absolutely. Yes. Got pulled over for driving drunk on a bike. How does a police officer pull somebody over on a bicycle? I uh, had one guy driving down High Street, or riding, I should say, down High Street <laughs> on his uh, on his bicycle, uh, hit a couple of pedestrians uh, on the sidewalk. Oh, um, yeah, I guess that would do it. Yeah, fell off <laughs> fell off the bike, and uh, the uh, the cops came, and he was drunk, and they arrested him for OVI. Yeah, do you lose your driving <laughs> privileges on something like that? I mean, how does... you you don't because it's uh, because they won't take your driver's license away for that before you're convicted. But if you're convicted, you can lose your driver's license. You yes. have to put training wheels on the bicycle, you, and th- then you may need training wheels, <laughs> or maybe only ride a tricycle. <laughs> Thus far in my drinking career, I'm happy to say I've not had that experience. I hope to God I never have to have that experience. I don't know what we're going to do after we get done with this podcast, what the next move's supposed to be. I will take the advice of my attorney on the premises as to what we should do after this. But when you get pulled over, you've been drinking. Let's just let's just set up the scenario. You're pulled over. You've been boozing. You know you've been drinking. And the police officer asks that piercing question, have you been drinking tonight? What do you recommend that people do in the event that they get pulled over? Well, first and foremost, ask for uh, to speak with your attorney before you answer any questions. Tell uh, that to the officer? Absolutely. I'm not answering any questions until I speak with my attorney. Won't that put the officer kind of, um, I, I won't that, I, I guess, upset the police officer? Well, uh, it's a constitutional right to not speak to a police officer. The officer would have pulled you over for doing something wrong in the first place. 
in the first place, so you're already accused of doing something wrong. Uh-huh. Uh, so why go any further? You have a right to counsel. Um, you, you should go ahead and exercise that right and uh, indicate that you're not going to answer any questions. Uh, until you speak to a lawyer. So that pretty much nips it in the bud right there, doesn't it? Absolutely. And then what's he do? Uh, yeah, you usually get a little irate at that point in time. And, and it depends on the officer. depends on the time of the day. The uh, uh, third trick officers, the, the, the ones that work all night, work OVI enforcement, they're more realistic about what's going on. They're probably used to that. Um, first shift officers, second shift officers that... that are out writing traffic tickets, speeding tickets, and things like that, um, they're going to be a little put off by by that fact. So you say, I want to speak to my attorney. Are you immediately then arrested? Uh, it depends. Um, depends on what the officer's next step is. Whether depends on the reason why they pulled you over. Um, officers are looking for uh, what they call cues of, uh, of impaired driving. Mm-hmm. Um, big misnomer, speeding is not one of those. Uh, driving too slow is one of those. So, um, you know, if, if, uh, if it's a minor traffic violation, the officer may not even be looking for someone who's impaired. If it's a major traffic violation or you're weaving all over the place or, uh, in an accident, things like that, um, he's going to be looking for signs of impairment. Um, and then the officer could place you under arrest at that point in time if he notices an odor of alcohol on you. So the guy that rolls down all the windows and drives the speed limit, Probably isn't doing himself any favors. He maybe should go a couple miles above the speed limit. Well, <laughs> if he's going to the speed limit, there wouldn't be any reason for the stop. But driving right. too slow is right. a reason, or driving too fast is a right. reason. So. Which I found is always the case with my friends who smoke pot. They, those are the guys that drive a little too slow. <laughs> yes, I had a, a friend of mine who's an attorney, um, uh, just had a, uh, a marijuana impairment case uh, that went to trial, I think, yesterday. And uh, he was... Uh, asking questions uh, that he should ask the jury and and the reason for the stop was uh uh was speeding and i i told him about the the story that uh, Johnny Carson always told about the uh the one time that he admittedly smoked smoked pot and was driving down the uh driving down the freeway in California and got pulled over and uh the officer said you know I pulled you over and he said was i was i going too fast and the officer laughed and said you were going 30 miles under the speed limit <laughs> yeah that that can happen it does tend to slow thing down or, or so I've heard <clears throat> all right so uh, the DUI all right so say somebody does not immediately say that you know I like to speak to my attorney first and the process uh, continues um, should you blow or not blow the breathalyzer I know you go all over the country and actually have conferences in respects to uh, the the breathalyzer, do you not? Right? I do. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Are you are you allowed to talk about that? Oh, I am. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, as you well know, I own a machine, so yes, I do. can test myself and friends, and uh, we can see what it takes someone to get uh, to get over the limit. Um, I think the first thing is that uh, every person is different, and every person is different every time they drink. So it's really hard to measure what your alcohol level is going to be. Um, but you can get a pretty good idea. So, um, you know, the average person, uh, if you go out and have two or three drinks, um, you should take the test. You'll probably pass it. The, uh, if you get up there, you know, into the four, five, six drinks, uh, you, may, you may not. It, it depends also on how long uh, you drink, too. There's, there's a, a friend of mine from New York who actually did a test and uh, did one drink per hour. 
um, and wanted to see how far you can go before it would actually start registering because um, for every drink that you have, about an hour later, it's out of your system. So uh, the individual, and he only did one with, he only did it with one individual, so there's no published study or anything right. like that. But he said after about 17 beers, things got real screwy. The guy kept testing zero, 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 zero um, after having a beer and then waiting an hour and then having a beer and waiting an hour. After 17 beers, he went through the roof. So. <laughs> yeah, but it took 17. But it took 17. Uh, so. well, I remember you, you talk about you actually own a machine, and uh, I was at your home one time, and I remember that we, we actually tested the machine. I was drinking shots of, of Jack Daniels, as I recall. Uh, Shocker. I recall bottles, but <laughs> yeah, <it's okay. laughs> But I kept, I, I, I wasn't registering. No, you, uh, yeah, I, I would take the test just about any time if I were you. Yeah, well, but, but that, <laughs> but that has, does that have something to do with my particular body chemistry? Yes, everyone metabolizes alcohol differently, uh, goes through your system differently. The problem could be that on a different day and a different hour, uh, you may have registered over. It might have been that time of day with mm-hmm. what you've had to eat and your metabolism at that point in time, um, that the way the alcohol was going through your, your system uh, was not getting into your lungs and, and getting into your breath and then uh, going into the machine. So we should probably do that again sometime. Maybe we should, <laughs> see, because that was a few years ago. Maybe my metabolism has changed and I don't... Uh, I don't suck it up as much as I, I used to. But I remember that night you did something very interesting with a piece of Wonder Bread. Yes. Um, which blew my mind. Explain that. Well, uh, certain foods will register as alcohol in the, uh, in the breath machine. Uh, Wonder Bread, um, pizza. Um, and if you think about what alcohol is and sugar and yeast, and, and uh, the Wonder Bread has a high uh, yeast content, and I'm guessing a high sugar content, and if you eat a piece of Wonder Bread, you'll you'll register uh, that'll register as alcohol um, on on the machine. If you remember, I think it was my nine or ten year old daughter right, who was right. uh, who was blowing into the machine and registering uh, as as alcohol when she was eating the Wonder Bread, which was just uh, just blew my mind. I was like uh, I'm never eating Wonder Bread again ever <laughs> ever uh, <laughs> while I'm out drinking. <laughs> on top of things, so. Um, if you think you should blow or not blow to a couple drinks, it's, it's, so it's up to your, your judgment at that point. Yeah, what what I'm saying right now is very controversial in the, in the legal field. I, I think I was probably the first one, first attorney, OVI or DUI defense attorney, um, that started speaking out saying you can't just tell people to not take the test. If you refuse to take the test in Ohio— Because that's always been you know what I've heard, don't blow. Yes. But you're saying if you think— You've only had two or three drinks. Go ahead and blow. So if I if I've only had one drink, one glass of wine, uh, one beer, and I blow positive, I mean I I, I you know I have enough to be considered uh, impaired. Now what? Well, you can always go get an independent test if you had witnesses that would indicate that you only had one drink. Uh, the machine is not flawless, so it, it, it could register high, but uh, probably unlikely if you just had one or two drinks. Um, as you had more drinks over a time period, um, that would be more difficult to challenge. But, you know, if you're out, out to, to dinner with your, your wife, girlfriend, significant other, and you share a bottle of wine over dinner over the course of two or three hours, you're absolutely fine to have a uh, to drive and then take a test. Um, 
most of the people that would sit as your peers uh, judging whether or not you were guilty were probably in the same boat and did the same thing. And, and you know, that's why it's still legal to drink and then drive uh, a car in, in every state mm-hmm. uh, because there are certain limits that you can be under and still be able to go ahead and drive a, drive a car. So you say you were met with controversy when you said... Well, when, when I first started practicing in the OVI area and concentrating in this area, um, everyone said, don't ever take the test, don't ever take the test. And then after learning about how the machine works, buying a machine, going through a course, uh, course to get certified on, on operation and maintenance and repair of the machine and learning the machine literally inside and out, I changed that whole theory and said I'd, I would take the test because um, I have blown into that machine maybe thousands of times, but at least hundreds of times. One time I've tested over, um, and that was it. All the other times I, I tested under. So I pretty much know that you know if I, I can have four or five beers over the course of three or four hours, and I would, I would test under, I'd have no worry uh, about that whatsoever. And the same thing that the, the night that you had experimented with the machine, um, and you had tested under, and there was probably no way, in fact, there was no way you were going to get in your car that night. No, I was not, um, and I didn't. I, yeah. I, I stayed at your house for quite some time, right. and, and then uh, I, I think I drove myself home, but it was after. But it way, was that right? You it was were, after I, I had stopped. Right, and you were on yeah. your way down. Yes, so from yes. The, you had well, peaked I was out. On my way down, all right. <laughs> you had you had peaked. Your alcohol level had peaked out. Yes. And you were starting to test lower and lower on the machine. Mm-hmm. But I never tested uh, above the legal limit, as, Correct. I, as I recall. Yep. Yeah. Um, have you ever been pulled over? I have. I've been pulled over. I've only been pulled over twice in my entire life. As as while you were a and practicing attorney? While I was a practicing attorney. And? Yeah, one time I had nothing to drink. It was in the uh, mid-afternoon. Um, the the first time I was, I was pulled over, I had been out and I had, uh, I had a couple of drinks, uh, three or four drinks over the course of probably three or four hours at dinner. Um, and, uh, the officer, uh, um, didn't even ask me, uh, whether or not I had anything to drink, uh, primarily because, uh, it was wintertime. I had rolled down my, uh, window about, uh, two or three inches. I had my, uh, license, my registration, my insurance on my visor, like I advise everyone to do. Oh, really? Why, why is that? Well, uh, imagine even more so in today's day and age with all the officers getting shot and things like that. But I can, I mean, an officer going into a dangerous situation is kind of prepared for it mentally. But when an officer is approaching a vehicle on a traffic stop at night at two in the morning with someone who might be drunk, that's got to be one of the most sure scary situations for them. They don't know what's going to happen. So the last thing you want to do is be bending over and reaching in your glove box for a license or in your console because they think you're going for a weapon. So I actually had a police officer, a friend of mine, tell me, just keep it up on the visor so that when the officer comes up, you just reach up. He sees your hands all the time. You keep your other hand on the steering wheel, and you reach up, and you hand it out the window. And I did that and uh, never looked at the officer, just looked straight ahead, handed everything out the window, and officer never even never even questioned me. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Now, let me, uh, uh, 29 years a lawyer, um, what made you go into law? Well, I was eight years old. Eight years old. It's two o'clock in the morning, and my mother came up to my bedroom and got me out of bed and told me that the police wanted to talk to me. I uh, went downstairs to talk to the police, and I was accused 
of breaking windows at our local high school right down the street, Plains High School. Uh-huh. Um, and they had to report that it was a say boy who did it. A say boy My oldest brother was uh, no longer living in town. He had uh, been off to, to college. Were the say boys uh, were they were they a bad lot growing up? Uh, let's just say my brother Jimmy was not, uh, well, let's just say he had a lot of contact with the police. He was the <laughs> <Okay>. middle brother. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so the blame went to him right away. Right. But interestingly enough, my, my brother Jimmy had been uh, and was away in California at the time. He was uh, uh, gone for two weeks, went with, uh, with my sisters and then brother-in-law to California. So they said, well, if it wasn't, uh, if your oldest son is gone, your middle son isn't here, then it had to be your youngest son. So uh, I had been in bed at that point in time for probably six hours, got dragged out of bed and was accused of... Uh, breaking the windows and uh were you innocent oh yeah i was okay. in, i was in bed at the time it happened right. I'm, sure. i was i was eight years you old any I, was witnesses? In, I was in third grade <laughs> um, anybody corroborate that story and uh uh so i got questioned by the police and got accused of this and ever since that day i i wanted to be a lawyer and uh went into criminal defense right uh, right from the start walked out of the uh uh, law school, got sworn in, walked uh, literally a block and a half down the street and hung my shingle out and started doing criminal defense work. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Like I said, I've never, uh, why well, we've been friends for a long time and I, I do have your number on speed dial. <laughs> I, I've never, I've never had to use your services. I too was, uh, pulled over. I was pulled over twice. Um, the, the latest time, I tell people this story, and uh, it was a Halloween party, and I was dressed up. It was after the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie had come out, and I was dressed in full Johnny Depp regalia. I mean, parrot on the shoulder, the whole nine yards. And I was coming back from a party, and I was late coming back from the party, so I was speeding. And I came through the—we're uh, broadcasting from Columbus, Ohio, by the way, and there's a little— little suburb called Worthington, Ohio, and I was speeding through Worthington, of all things. Bad idea. And I got pulled over. Now, I I will confess I had been drinking, and when the officer pulled me over initially, he said that first, have you been drinking? And I said no, because in my mind, I had not been for the last couple of hours. I wasn't, you know, but I had been throughout the course of the evening. And he took my driver's license and registration and went back to the car and uh, came back again and asked me again. I'm going to ask you again, have you been drinking this evening? I said, no, officer. I said, I was actually, I lied. I said, I was actually the designated driver this evening. And no, I have not been drinking. I'm just late getting home. So, you know, that's why. Uh, was that's, that's, that's my answer. He goes, so you haven't been drinking? And I said, look at me. I said, I am dressed up like a pirate <laughs> with a parrot on my shoulder. Do you honestly think that I would add drunk drive? Do you think I want to go to jail dressed like this? And he chuckled. He goes, I actually pulled you over for speeding, which I was speeding. And he goes, so, and I got the speeding ticket. But I'm like, whew. Yeah. yeah. Close call. Close there. call. Close call. Yeah. You think he would have felt sorry for you the way you were dressed and not even giving you the speeding ticket. Well, but. speaking of which feeling sorry for me the other time was like 15 years ago coming back from steubenville ohio with my mother in the car from a family reunion and we were going the back way i'm sorry hit your microphone we were going the back way 
and I was in a rush to get home, and I was going kind of fast, and I got pulled over by the State Highway Patrol. And uh, he asked that classic question, you want to know why, why I pulled you over this afternoon? And my mother, because he was going too fast, I go, Ma, stop it. He goes, uh, yeah, you were speeding. I go, actually, officer, I was just trying to pass that truck. He goes, well, actually, I clocked you going so-and-so and such-and-such, and when you are passing the truck, you went even further. I told him to slow down. I told him, what's your hurry? What's your hurry? So then he asked the next question, have you been drinking? And I said, no. And my mother says, he had a couple of beers at the house that we just left. And I go, Ma, stop it. She, I go, have you been drinking? I said, officer, I had a couple of beers like four hours ago at a family reunion. She goes, I think you had more than two. I go, mother. <laughs> So he tells me to get out of the car and come back into his cruiser, and I'm sitting there in the front seat of his cruiser, and he's writing, he's writing, he's writing, and he goes, I'm going to give you a a warning today. I go, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, your real punishment is sitting in the front seat of that car. (laughs) True story. That's True story. All right, so do do DUIs make up the bulk of the Say a Piat practice, or... Or there are other things as well because I remember, I remember billboards. Yes, in the city of Columbus that caused a little bit of a of a controversy and a fuss. They did. We um, we also have a uh, domestic relations or divorce practice. Yes, uh, that and was it, that would be the other half of the practice. And that was the uh, that was it was the divorce billboards. I think that caused a little bit of uh, well, they caught some attention because they were kind of. Um, Racy, raucous, if you will. They were uh, the the pride of those billboards, and we'll I'll tell you what they said in a minute. Was um, that was the same year when Nationwide Insurance uh, did something very very unusual and did a a I'm not sure I can call it a billboard outdoor advertising on the side of three buildings on High Street, and it was the biggest outdoor advertising Columbus had ever seen. Um, that got second place uh, award for the best outdoor advertising uh, in Columbus that year. And say Empire got first place uh, by whatever group uh, association uh, rates uh, rates outdoor advertising signs. So I don't know if you remember, it was the one with Les Wexner. I do, um, I it do. It wasn't supposed to be Les Wexner, but it was his image in, a, sure. uh, uh, in, a, in an ad, and Nationwide kind of caught a little flack for that. Um, well, that, that finished second, we finished first. So our, our billboard said... Um, uh, it had it had a, a, a pretty um, skimpy clothed uh, man and woman on it hugging, and uh, uh, it said uh, when it doesn't stay in Vegas, and then it just said say Empire divorce attorneys. Uh, that was the entire the entire billboard. Very so, uh, well, I don't want to say subtle, but the message was very clear. It, it was it was it was a difficult process that sat on my desk for over six months um, before I I could go ahead and okay it to uh, to put it up because if you saw the first ones that came across my desk the drafts i mean it was you worse know, oh my gosh 10 times worse and it was women only so i actually did a lot of research on it uh, <laughs> the um the the vegas ads um that they came out with you know uh, what happens in vegas stays in vegas they initially did male uh, ads for that that featured males and ads that uh-huh. featured females and when they went to the, the audience to, to test market them, the ads featuring males were hated by men and women. Really? The ads featuring women were loved by men and women. So that's why I think the first ad for 
What Happens in Vegas Stays in Vegas came out like within the last year that featured men. If you remember the first two or three for the past couple of years were about women in Vegas. Right, right. And that was that was the reason why. And then I don't there was a an attorney in Chicago who got in all kinds of trouble and got fined all this money because on those on, on the side of a garage up there he hung a sign that said life is short, get a divorce. <laughs> well it turns out it turns out it had nothing to do with, with the, 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 the ad itself or the content of the ad. He hung it there illegally and didn't get a permit to, to oh, that's hang what it. it was. He hung it off the side of a parking garage. And he got in all kinds of trouble for for that. So uh, uh, after I, I said it had to be gender neutral, and uh, even after we came up with the final ad that that went up on the billboards, it still sat there for six months before I said, "All right, go for it." And then once once it it did, we got uh, yeah, we got a lot of publicity out of it. We got a lot of clients out of it. Uh, we had a few people that hated it. Uh huh. Um, if I can share a story with oh, you, oh please about. do. That's what the, that's so, what this thing's all about is the so, stories. You know, we'll, we'll, we yeah, we'll talk about the whiskey right. later. I want the stories. So so my my wife and kids are over at the uh, the church we go to making sandwiches for the homeless with a couple other uh, people <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon and. Um, <laughs> My, my well, in, the head, in the head of the billboard, like we're going to have to do all type of, so, of penance here before once this billboard goes up, we're going to start now. So, so uh, my wife, uh, there's a, a new woman there. My wife introduces uh, herself to her, and, and the woman immediately says, "Oh, is is uh, that your husband who has that that billboard?" That and billboard. my wife got all embarrassed and said, "Yes, it is, and it wasn't his idea." And they hire a marketing firm to do all that and all this other stuff trying to talk her way out of it. And she's like, comes home, you know, she tells me the story. And she's like, I was so embarrassed by it. And I said, when people ask me if I'm the person who has that billboard, I say, no, I don't know who the hell that guy is. <laughs> <laughs> Just say, no, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I've done that from time to time when I've been out and, are you Dino Chapotis? Nope. <laughs> nope, I am not. I get that all the time. I, that is not me. Wow, yeah, so... Yeah, I remember those billboards. They caused quite the stir. So, uh, does does uh, Pyatt handle the divorce side of things, and say as the 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 drinking? Basically, yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's a good relationship. Have you guys been? How long have you guys been together? Uh, since 1996. 1996. Yeah. How do you feel about? Uh, because that was, as far as I know, that's the only really out there advertising I've seen you do, and I see. We see commercials for law firms constantly. We're bombarded by them. You know the late night in commercials and the and uh, some of the the huge bigger firms because you're not a small firm. You're I mean you're you're what would you call yourself a medium uh, sized medium, medium medium sized firm. Yeah. Why haven't you gone the the way of television? Uh, we have. We've tried television a few times. We really got no. Uh no business out of it. We did. We it, it didn't pay for itself. So you didn't because you weren't. Uh, uh, dramatic enough you weren't cornball enough because so let's face it some of those some of those legal that, that, that's probably the reason why you really got to be way out there and they keep getting more and more out there would you do that or is that just that just does not it's uh, not that, the way your 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 cloth is cut yeah uh, that's not the way it's cut yeah. I, and and that's more it's the personal injury lawyers that are doing that type of thing um i, I don't know it uh it, it would be interesting maybe we'll uh Maybe we'll give it a try sometime. Nah, so. I mean, I think I think the firm's doing well 
It is. The the outdoor advertising for us has been a boon. We also had the big drunk plate. I don't know if you recall that. But, I uh, do recall the drunk plate. So back, yes, I do. Yes, that's right. You covered, you covered uh, both areas of the firm yeah, every, so, on the so, billboards. Uh, back in 2004, I think it was, Ohio said, all right, if you get caught or if you get convicted of drunk driving, um, you're going to have to have these yellow plates with right. uh, with red letters. And I immediately, I just finished reading The Scarlet Letter, the book, and I, had, I immediately came, oh, my gosh, that's the Scarlet Letter. So, um, you know, we came up with the slogan, Ohio's uh, Scarlet Letters, and, and we came out, the the billboard was simply a license plate with the, the, the plate uh, numbers or letters were D-R-U-N-K. So. so what you basically have discovered is that advertising on that level, as long as you appeal to the, the core base need of a client in that respect, in this case, the, the drunk driving, the scarlet letter, divorce, things have gone awry, you know, when, when things that happen in Vegas yes. don't stay in Vegas, yeah. you get down to the base, the base of it and Yep, and and a lot of times they go hand in hand. So the, yeah, the, the, the DUI causes the divorce. Uh, uh, the divorce causes uh, someone to go out drinking a little more than usual, and mm-hmm. they pick up the uh, the DUI. We always All come right. back to the Russell's Reserve. What, are you enjoying this? I, I am. I, the uh, flavors jump out at you. Yeah, I they mean, do. I mean, more so than uh, than just about any other bourbon I can think of right now. I can I can really taste. It's the got a nice long finish. Um, maybe when we're done here, uh, I'll pour you one neat so you can actually uh, get a real a true taste of that. Greg, did you like the uh, Russell's Reserve? You could taste the 110 proof right away. Yeah, but then it starts. It gets a little smoother. And as like I told you before, once if if you uh, if you see it getting cloudy, once you put the ice in it, there's nothing wrong with your bourbon. That's just because it is a non-chilled filtered, and that's the it's it's seeing temperature for the first time, so that's why it gets a little cloudy. But uh, it's a good stuff. Uh, I'll come back and tell you again that it's a uh, uh, forty nine ninety nine a bottle in most of your respectable liquor stores and uh not an easy one to to always get really it's kind of a one of those hard to find ones from time to time but it's a nice good special bottle if you're looking to get something nice for somebody and not spend a fortune when you need a lawyer what do you do and have you ever needed a lawyer over the course of your legal career i have um and and i go to someone who specializes in a in a particular area Uh uh-huh um, so I, I kind of try and go out and find, uh, find if I don't know, and usually I know who has the best reputation and who, uh, what do lawyers look for in other lawyers if they need to be represented for something? Um, I look for someone who, who knows what they're doing. Um, and it's, and it's not going to be afraid to, to back down. Um, too many, uh, too many lawyers I think are, uh, uh, they're worried more about their next client and not about the particular client that they have in front of them at the time and am I going to do something representing this client that's going to anger a judge or mm-hmm. a prosecutor or another attorney on the next case and I think you got to just put that aside and, and represent the client that you have in front of you you know a lot of times the attorneys are considered jerks or whatever like that but they're actually good attorneys and what would you say to anybody listening right now that uh is actually studying law and is and is going to become a lawyer once they pass the bar and so forth and so on. Can you can you make it on your own? Can you can you put up a shingle and practice law, or has it become such a big thing right now where your best bet is to try to get in with an established firm? Uh, 
that that's a good question. I would tell them to run, uh, get away from laws <laughs> quick as possible. I would not. I told my kids, do not go into the laws. Um, I, I think the statistics are um, the 2015 graduating class of all lawyers. Uh, 80% of those individuals did not have jobs in the legal field. Wow. Um, so right now it's really, 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 really tough. Uh, Columbus is actually one of the better better markets. Um, to do what I did 29 years ago mm-hmm. uh, may not be possible uh, today. Well, that sounds a, a, a tad bit discouraging. Very discouraging. Especially so, yes. if you have a passion for the law, yes. which, which obviously you did at, at, in the beginning and I still did. do. Obviously, because you're great at what you do, um, you continue to uh, learn, study, uh, and, and acquire knowledge, which I think is always a good uh, sign of any professional in their field if they continue to to seek out more information about what they do and how they can do it better. Which I know you do that. You go to conferences all the time, and you're you're constantly, you know, sucking up the the learning experience to improve what you do so and since i know you do all that if anybody should need the services of say and and Pyatt, how do they get in touch with uh your firm and the website or phone numbers whatever the case might be for those here in the columbus ohio area for those who are seeking counsel outside the state of ohio <laughs> well we, we made it real easy and the website and phone number are the same so 888-OVI-OHIO 888-OVI-OHIO.com simple enough Well, the whiskey has been Russell's Reserve. The guest has been attorney John Saya. Hopefully you were making some notes, and here's hoping that you never get in that situation, that you're in a a DUI or an OMVI or an OWI or an EIEIO, whatever the case might be. Uh, So in closing, let me just say uh, a couple of quick things. Uh, Whiskey Business is a Never the Luck production uh, recorded in cooperation with the Columbus Radio Group. All the opinions of the host and my reluctant guests are just ours and are not meant to influence you in any way unless, of course, you are easily influenced. And let me just leave you with this little piece of advice. Never drink anybody under the table. It's crowded down there and the service sucks. To the next bottle, my friends. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) I know, right.